Hey, hey, what is up, headhunters, executive recruiters, and of course, all you beautiful people. This is David Stephen Patterson. You may know me as DSP with Headhunters Live, and I'm here with my very beautiful and very intelligent and very charming co-hosts. Uh, right over here, we have Neil Lovovitz. What is up, Neil? And oh, then down there, we have uh, the amazing Chris Wessel. Today, we are. I'm very excited for today's show because we are going to be interviewing a legend in the business, David Perry. So, Neil, Chris, how are you feeling about today? I'm pretty excited about this because it's our very first guest for the show, and it's a big one. Guy I respect very, very much. So, we are that, guys. What's going on on your end? I mean, excited. I, we uh, we had David on Headhunters back mm -hmm. in the day. Uh, guy knows what he's talking about. His books, it's so solid. He's just inspiration to a lot of people. We got great feedback uh, on the show. I'm thrilled to have him on. Oh, yeah. it's actually, actually but enough about not about us. What's going on in Pattersonville? <laughs> we the hurricane last last week, so uh, we lost a lost a banana tree. So I was very upset about that. Other than that, lost a lot of productivity for a couple of days, but that was about it. And um, how about you you're guys? Man, right? You strike me as the type that your shirt's off. You're like brute force against the hurricane, right? You weren't there packing up and evacuating. I don't see you as that guy. Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't. We don't flee. We don't flee. Hurricanes are fine. We don't flee. You have a family yeah. shirt. That should be like the DSP family motto. Ibsen von exactly. like a German shield crest. Yeah, he's got. It says evacuation routes are for you know insert expletive here. <laughs> yeah, uh, begins with a P. Begins with a P. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, Neil, might I say you are looking very well lit today uh, for someone sitting from the window. I, I, I have a professional. Uh, movie light uh, to drown out the, the backlight of Central Park, uh, which is nice. If I do it, you get a much better view of Central Park, but then you don't see me. Well, I presume that you have, uh, because of where you live, there's probably movies being filmed around you. So I imagine that somebody was filming on site and you probably boosted one of the lights from the set because yes. that's kind of how that happened. That's how we roll with everything in Manhattan. We steal... <laughs> and poach from movie sets it's funny that you know that being outside of new york city a little secret that's how i feel like i think it said property of you know some studio yes. when you showed it to us earlier so i was just you know property of warner right i'll have a picture of the uh, mgm lion all over my place all right well guys uh uh, uh that's it i I'm going to give it up because we have, a, we have a very full show ahead of us today. We have a lot of questions. And uh, for those of you who, who don't know who David is, I'll introduce him in a second. But real quick, I want to say for anybody who's watching live, do me a favor, comment live in the comments. Right now we're broadcasting live the independent the, the, the independent recruiters, staffing agencies, uh, and head editors group, uh, also known as URSA. It's the, it is a mouthful. And the head editors and executors community, Herc, on Facebook group as well as LinkedIn and YouTube. So for wherever you're watching at, comment live down below to let us know that you can hear us. And uh, if you can also help us with the algorithm, make sure you uh, hit like, hit love, hit angry, whatever you want, but just show us some emotion, all right? And, uh, and one last thing, the replay, if you're watching the replay right now, uh, in the future times. Also, make sure you comment or replay down below. All right, you want us to see who is listening to the show. So with that said, let's bring on our first guest. So this is somebody that doesn't just recruit, 
right? He, this guy crafts legacy. So he is an industry titan. He's been in the business for, I think, what, 30 some years. He's made, uh, I think, over 1,500 placements so far, uh, roughly over $400 million in negotiated salary. He is authored a, high, a, a book called Hiring Greatness, uh, Executive Recruiting for Dummies. Uh, he just started a job board here fairly recently. So at, at basically, this guy's a renaissance man. All right. So with that said, we have a lot to talk about. I'd like to welcome to the show, David Perry. David, he is coming right now. Hey, what's up, David? How's hey that guys. for you, Thanks for having is. me. It was a slow Thursday, so happy to be here. Actually, we're excited to have you here. And, uh, you know, for that said, um, I think I've given you a pretty good rundown as far as uh, a good rundown of what you do and what you're all about. Uh, I'll tell you my history with you, David. Um, other than you having a great first name and us uh, bonding over that, but uh, basically when I first started uh, training, uh, one of the first books I, I read really about the hiring process was Hiring Greatness. And ever since, uh, in all of my programs, um, uh, I actually recommend that book to recruiters to learn how uh, to actually craft an entire recruiting process and actually have to become more of an expert in recruiting versus how most recruiters are really just um, – you know, uh, flipping resumes and, and, and acting as body shops. And so, and so I always recommend that book out to anybody who wants to elevate uh, their game. And it's been a, a fantastic read. And since you've written uh, a few other books as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we have a lot to, David, uh, it's not just today. sharing the first name. It's also mm -hmm. the last initial. So DP yeah. rumor has it. His middle name is Stuart. He yep. wanted to go by DSP. You didn't like it. You yep. two had a really horrific fight. And the rest is history, and you have DSP. Truth or rumor? Look at the arms on that guy. It's truth. Right? <laughs> I end up with E, and H, H stands for, for Horace. You will change your middle name. David, what is your middle name? Does it begin with an S? No, but begins with an H. It's uh, Horatio. Oh, that DHP and DSP. You look at That's awesome. Are you serious? That's such a great it's a, name it's to a, write uh, books. If your father's in the Navy, you understand it. If not... Uh, you're likely to get a mouthful of my uh, fingers in your mouth because that's why I learned to fight. I grew up in the United States and had all kinds of people call me Horace. And, you know, it's just starting in no. grade two, right? Fight my way in, fight my way home. That's, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, what we were saying earlier, which is funny, is so we do our homework on the show and we got David's book. And we read it. And and so Chris was saying, Chris, yeah, Chris, go ahead, tell him what, what, yeah. what we were saying. So I, I mentioned to, to David that I uh, I listened to on Audible uh, the ex executive recruiting for dummies. Uh, again, I I just cringe, right? The, so I understand they're supposed to speak really slow, so you understand. But he was so boring. I mean, the book is 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 supposed to be, you know, just there to get the facts. Flip through all the humor out of it. They ripped all the humor out of it. I got the impression too. I got to get the physical copy because I got the impression. Wait, that did you write it with humor, and then they, the editors stripped it out? Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely! It's the longest oh. book I've ever written. Took me eight months to write that book. Should have taken me two and a half. But every time I submit my chapters, my dumb fire, God bless her soul, would take all of the color out of it because there wasn't supposed to be any. It's just supposed to be an instructional guide. This went on for months. Month seven, oh, I finally said, "I'm just going to keep submitting this stuff." So we got to come to an agreement. How are we going to structure this? 
So we did, you know, so I well, was a good recruiting boy. Recruiting for foreign dummies, right? That's what well, I want. So, so that's, that's good to know, right? Because so if anybody wants yeah. to get it, get the physical copy, because I could definitely tell from the flow of it that it was the kind of thing that you flip back and forth through, et cetera. And so what I wanted to say, though, to um, on the topic of that book, because I think it did a really good job. And I think in general, the material I see that you have out there does a really good job of educating the customer. Uh, I like that a lot of what you put out there is here's how it should work. Here's what you should expect from a recruiter. You're not knocking any type of recruitment, uh, contingency, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just there's a right tool for a right job and just evaluating how to go about it. And what other things on like your website with the, you know, the FAQs on how to like kind of evaluate, uh, you know, a recruiter you're working with. I just, there's a, there's a theme I came across, which I'm a bit envious of, cause I haven't taken the time to lay all this out myself, but I think there's a lot of value in it is like all of this educational content where they can basically seek out, you know, sh should I engage with this guy? Uh, or is there a different route I should take? Um, it's not salesy, it's informative. Uh, so I just, I, I, that was my impressions checking out the book, checking out the website. That was my initial takeaway. Yeah. And you know what, cause I, it was designed to, we do this with all our clients. And actually, I have friends. I do have friends. Don't don't listen to DSP. You have friends? friends? Yes. Three uh, of them. Don't make me mention Not that. us three. Otherwise, I'm not kidding. Are we all DP? Do you have to be DP to connect with you? Because I'm no, out. I'm in. No, you got to be blind and deaf. You know, don't have to be dumb. No. I bring that with me. But uh, I have, you know, I have friends who actually, uh, uh, Skip Freeman, another recruiter, Greek recruiter. Uh, Skip sends them copies of executive recruiting for dummies when he's been, when he signs them or before he signs them and says, listen, this is the way it can be done so that you don't make any mistakes. So just follow along on the side as we go through this thing. And we do it with clients. You know what, can, I'll make my call. You know what I found interesting? I think what Chris is trying to say, not trying to say, he said it nicely, but what I saw when I prepped last year or two, three years, two years, whatever, when we were on the last show, what you do and you don't say it like everything that you write about has implied consultative sales you don't talk oh there's a book on consultative sales everything you do is all about education of the client and credibility you know you know what i mean your book could be consultative sales everyone talks about that everything you do it's just built into your dna you know and that's the theme that chris is talking about well, you well know. Uh, uh, speaking of that so you know so the one thing that I've always admired about you, David, is is the fact that you created your own method. And I think a lot of it – so, you know, everybody wants to be an authority in this business, right? And, and one of the best ways to build authority is to is to become an expert in your industry and then and then to create a process or methodology that is all your own. You name it. It's your thing. You put your stamp on it. And for you, it's the inside-out approach. Right. Um, and so and, – and, 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 and I might be wrong, but it looks like from my perspective, you – kind of came up with the inside out approach first and then the books came after uh at least from my understanding and, and of course i might be wrong on that one um but what i want to ask though is is in creating that that process right uh what was the like what led to that because i think for a lot of recruiters you know they they look at what we do as well how do i make a process of what i do I, I i go find candidates i screen them i submit them and then they interview they tell me who they want to hire and then help make the offer like what, what's the process there that's different versus what everybody else does uh and uh and that's always been a thing that it's, it's been a big question mark for a lot of recruiters so i'm curious um what led to the inside out approach and, and also once you created it how has that affected your business 
So uh, great question. And, and just, if you can answer this, just one other question on top of that, just that I want to I'm curious about, because people should know you're not a, a trainer. You're not peddling your books here. We're, we're peddling them for you. Yeah, you're, we're you're in the business. You, you eat, breathe, and sleep what you do. So I'm so curious about, to David's point, what came first, what led you to it? So similar question. So, uh, so I'll answer, and if I'm too long, uh, Chris or someone just cut me off. It's your show, bro. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I want to hear from you. You're the expert. You, you know, the, the, the inside out approach uh, actually came after the books. I'll explain. Um, I came up with an approach that made sense for me because it was pure self-defense. I started out in 88 with my business partner wife, with Perry Martell. I had been with another firm for a couple of years. David, uh, me too, by the way. December 88. You're the only really? one that I know. I was yeah. October. I was October, so wow. I'm a little bit older than you. And I have more hair. I don't so know. Not, so not how old issue. are you? How old are you? I am 63 now. Wow, you look great. I'm 59. I'll be 60 in November. You don't look a day. Yeah, you don't look a day over 80. Not a day. I uh, know. We can't compete with the Adonises over here, dude. We're not I like having you on the show. You make me feel more handsome. No, nothing personal. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that for a lot of people, apparently. So me, it was self-defense. <laughs> I didn't want to do a, a search over. So I, I went into the industry in 88, um, and I immediately started, because a client said to me, you know, he gave me this assignment, and he said, as I'm leaving, he said, now, don't fuck this up. You can bleep that out later. He said, don't fuck this up. And that led to the Carell Center and, and the Ottawa Senators. But uh, I said, well, you seem uncomfortable. He says, oh, yeah, like, I'm really uncomfortable. What make you more comfortable? Just guarantee your work for a year. I said, done. I go home and I tell my business partner, she goes, you did what? So we had to build a process so that I, it was so meticulous, it was defensible. So that's how all this started. We just kept adding pieces to make it more defensible. You know, we added a SWOT. We added a skills gap analysis. In the next book, I talk about H HDR. HDR. Anybody heard of it? High definition recruitment. That's really what we're talking about here, right? Okay. okay. Right, Neil? Because we all talk about purple squirrels, right? And I'm a purple squirrel hunter. I love hunting purple squirrels. I go to enormous pressure to drag out of clients, you know, what they're looking for and why. And after I make them explain to me what they mean by that and based on yeah. what and make them defend it, um, then we get to a point where we actually understand the company and the opportunity that's presented to us in this role, and then we'll go to the market. But the inside-out approach as a document came out after I'd written Hiring Greatness, after I'd written Executive Recruiting for Dummies. My, my partner in my next book, Revolutions Need Leaders, you know, challenged me to explain on paper exactly what I did you know, mentally. That's hard, Right. You know, it, the worst thing about writing, uh, for me, for writing is it's, it's original it's original thoughts, and that's a pain in the ass because there's no one to steal from, right? So anyway, that aside, um, I gave up after four months, and he said, fine, I'm going to come and interview you. He came and interviewed me for a full day and then came back and said, okay, this is what you do. And I said, yeah, right. I said, let's categorize it. And so that's how, that's how the 14 steps came into play. And it's all designed to make sure that you do the search once, um, that the client has confidence in you doing the search, um, and they leave you alone. Or they partner with you, but they don't step in your way. I mean, we, we have not had a search go unfilled since 1988, uh, except in one case. Oh, someone's doing something here. Um, I, might, I might be getting zoomed out. Um, 
In, in one yeah. case where someone, you know, start, stop for their own business reasons, but more times than not, you talk about consultative selling. It's not really consultative selling. Although I've read all those books, I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants because the giants in our industry don't really exist. There's a whole bunch of us, right? But there's no, uh, there's no genius in the industry. So I've had to learn from, you know, Seth Godin. I've had to learn from all these other people and take bits and pieces and put it together in a structure that works for us in our industry. Why do I interesting? Go ahead. Sorry. If I just say, before I forget, but what's interesting is like, obviously you're all this material paves the way for you to be able to do your job well, et cetera. And what, one of the things I thought it was interesting that you said, like this allows you to do what you got to do and the client doesn't bug you or ask you what you're, what you're doing or whatever, because you've already laid out how the process works, what you're going to be doing. It's all clear. And I think that's a, a situation with a lot of recruiters where the customer doesn't know what the recruiter's doing and they're not giving them any kind of update. They don't know how they're proceeding. They don't know what their plan is. So they, they, they ask you like, what's going on, et cetera. You've laid this groundwork where you're basically like, here's how we operate. Here's what you can expect. Now let me go do my thing. And I think that gives a lot of confidence to the, the customer uh, to, to, to give you the space to do that. So I just, I thought that was significant. And, and thank you. And, and what we also do is um, if you're a client of ours, you must it's in the contract. You must uh, chime in once a week for 15 to 30 minutes, and we schedule it. You know, and short of an accident or a death in the family, uh, you show up. Because it's, mm-hmm. it, it's their time to ask us questions, but really it's not. It's our time to, to tell them, here's what we're doing, here's what we've done, here's what we've discovered. I think we need to change this parameter we need to look at it a little bit differently um, and have that discussion so that when we get to the end, we all agree we've hired the right person with the right skills to deliver. Because there's nothing worse than you know hiring or recruiting to a job spec only to find out it's changed, right? Well, and it's interesting is I remember I started doing a while back uh, status updates weekly when I started shifting to not a traditional retained model, but more of like an engagement model. And one of the things I was doing was I was offering, you know, status updates every week on, you know, kind of what we're seeing out there, just, you know, just so there's communication. And one of the things that you mentioned is pretty powerful, um, having a scheduled live call with them, because what I realized at, with some customers was that I was just sending them updates and they were kind of probably going into a black hole. I'm not even sure if they were reading them. And then what I started doing instinctively, kind of along the same lines as you, uh, was was switch to a live update and have just like a half hour Zoom call with them on like Friday uh, just to make sure that we were having that back and forth because I noticed that unless you put a construct in place to make sure that happens, it ends up being a pretty one-way conversation. Yeah, and that doesn't do you any good, right? And if it doesn't do you any good, it doesn't do them any good. They just don't understand it because they've never seen the model that way. I find that the more people that start to do these kinds of things, the more it becomes, yeah, okay, so we're actually going to partner here, and we drive the partnership. Because it's the- Well, this one, I've said, everything you write or do is you make them work. Right. And you say you haven't had an unfulfilled position in the third whatever. You make them work. And it's you say it's a partnership. And and you question everything, right? It's stuff. So we're creating for I kind of like that's probably a great read for a lot of people, even if you strip out the humor, because it's so pragmatic. I wonder how many people do all of those simple, non-fine, basic things like that of insisting that the client 
And, and, you know, it's the old thing. People, they love it. When you come at them, you ask all these questions. That's how you become the expert. It's permeated in your stuff. David. But a lot of recruiters are afraid to do that. And I, and I know yep, there's tons yep, of them exactly. out there that are very just like they're, they're deferential. They assume, well, if that's what the client wants, I better just like, this isn't a game yeah. of fetch where they're like, here's a job description. Go find me. So okie dokie, I'll go get you someone. And oh, if they're not quite right, I'll keep trying. Like that happens too much. Right. Or, and, or you and, submit and, two resumes. David, I love your answer, right? If you, you don't submit resumes. You, could you imagine a client tell you the reaction? Client says, no, thank you. I don't want to see this person you just told me about. What would your answer be? That's not even in your vocabulary, right? Yeah. Okay. You're not going to say, okay, how about this one, right? No, like, I would have different- said, did you not get the one-page overview? Did you uh-huh. now? Okay. Did so, you not read it? Because I now have skill testing yeah. questions I'm going to ask you because I've gone to the trouble to do all this, and I've told you why they fit now you need to tell me why you think they don't fit and don't tell me somebody else read it and told you that because that will get you fired all right so 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 with that said so 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 from my perspective um having a a system having like like a a methodology so you can uh establish your your credibility and expertise in the industry and, and be more consultative all that's great however However, I also know that um, so, so for you, for example, you've had uh, a really long history of, 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 of in this business, you know, 30 years, uh, almost almost a 100 percent fill rate, uh, $40 million in, in, in salaries uh, negotiated. I believe that's the number. Um, you got all the books. You've got tons of case studies. So I, I'd imagine for you, it's, it's pretty easy to sell uh, uh, your expertise to a client. But for somebody who say who's just embarking on this, right? So they're starting to figure out what the process is. They want to establish more credibility. How do they make the leap to go from you know, as as Chris said, uh, you 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 tell me what you want, and golly gee, I'll go out and get them. How do you make the leap, start the leap, big leap from that? to going down the road that you've taken? Like, what do people need to do to make that Do you that want job? me to start with now and work backwards or what do you need to do and go forward? And go what forward. time That's stay? a great question. I know right where you're going. I love that question. Okay. So Either first, way. The so, first thing yeah. I did, the first thing I did uh, quite by accident is bought a book called Guerrilla Marketing. And because I had a $20 budget for marketing and I read the book, I blew 15 bucks on the book. I read the book and it said PR is the way to go. So I wrote a press release and said, I am the expert at Bloit. And the local newspaper picked it up and said, here's the expert at Bloit. And then I took that one. I did it local and then I went national and then I went international. Press releases talking. This is why I do case studies. Press releases talking about what I did and how I did it, educating the client. The client doesn't want to do your job. They just want to know that if you give you money, you're going to deliver. So you got to show that. So that's how I built the reputation, um, you know, a press release at a time, a talk at a time. And, uh, you know, but if you're someone new today and you're talking about a new and you're talking to a new customer tomorrow, which is which is what you're asking me to do. You know, how would you handle it? I, I think the first thing I would say to the client when I get them on the phone or get them on the Zoom call is, what do you want to accomplish today? What's the perp- What's your idea for the call? And let them tell you. And if they say something stupid, and oftentimes they will, they'll say something smart alecky, uh, you, you just smile and you say, I appreciate that. Let me ask you another question. How many times are you prepared to get this wrong? Any idea what the cost? Any idea what it costs you to get this GP hire wrong, your director wrong? I said, you probably do because I went on LinkedIn and I see you've been through X number of directors or VPs in the last five years. I don't know what that's cost you. I can give you a rough idea, but I don't care what I want to know. What I want to know from my dogs is 
How many times you want to get it wrong? How many times you prepare to get it wrong before the board fires you? And I'm sure people are saying, I can't say that. Yes, you can. Because, and you guys all know this, because you're about to spend your time, your money, to go and find them someone who's going to solve a problem that they've not been able to solve, and maybe you get paid, maybe they dance you around. No, you really need to vet and vet hard. All oh, your and Tony Robbins will tell you that the conviction element alone will win it. So what you're doing, just the conviction. Tony Robbins will tell you that. And Danny Cahill, who everyone knows out there and who we've had on the show, his famous thing, he'd answer this question by saying, he'll tell them, fake it till you make it and act this. And that's why I love your question, right? But I love your question. You want it beforehand or afterwards? Because you're faking in the beginning, but you still have to have the conviction, right? I love, and that's what you have. So let's and talk everything about you Let's talk about fake it till you make it. You got a new recruiter and they specialize in XYZ. I did this 37 years ago. You know, I joined a firm. Sorry, that dog's going to continue to bark. I can live with it if you can. Otherwise, Definitely I got to go. Yeah. And I love this dog. So I'd rather. Crisp. Crisp. Everyone out there, K R I S P. I use it. You can't hear anything. It'll dogs bark, hands clapping. It's amazing. It's like it's ridiculous. It's so oh, cheap. Oh, yeah, used to keep people locked in his basement, and we would hear them thumping. Yep, you wouldn't hear it. You wouldn't hear the all scream. of that out. Yeah, I got uh, I got uh, silencers on the cuffs, so don't worry about it. I'm well prepared. So I, what I did is they said you are going to open up the financial sector. This is back in God, 87, 86. I didn't know anything about financial, but everything else was taken. Construction was no. Everything else was taken. Tech was taken. Whatever. And uh, I started making, finally making some phone calls, and I'm just getting hang-ups because nobody knows what a recruiter is back in 1986, for Christ's sake. You're what? You're a flesh peddler? Anyway, um, I finally found a guy who said, uh, I'm looking for a sales agent or a sales guy or a sales executive, and he was in, um, what's it called? Uh, he's a bro stockbroker. And I said, well, what are you looking for? He told me. So I went out and found a stockbroker, friend of a friend, and um, I, I came back, and I, I, and I developed don't I will I will I will deny I've said this. I don't care even if it's on tape. I, I made up a fictitious I made up a fictitious stockbroker with a phenomenal book, and I peddled him to the ten companies in Ottawa that were in the stock brokerage business, and then out to Toronto. And I told them I made a little blurb, and I and I called them on the phone. I told them about this guy, and I said, "You want to meet him?" He said, "Well, let me think about it. Fine. I'm on to the next call. Boom, boom, boom." Week goes through. I call all these companies. I booked interviews for all of them with the guy that did not exist. And the Phantom call, NPC. Then I had to call. Yeah, had to call. But he's a perfect NPC. So I had to call them all. And back. had to turn around and go find him, right? I, I, I called back and said, "I apologize. Uh, uh, you know, you didn't make a decision right away. So I kept going. I told you I was going to. Uh, he's gone somewhere else. And then you just let them go. Oh, you're kidding? I said. Uh, no. Um, why? Do you actually really need someone like this? Well, yeah. Well, what exactly are you looking for? Okay. Was this before or after you wrote your book on business ethics? This is 1986. Yeah. <laughs> I just need bricks because I'm on a It better be before. It better be before. Business ethics in the 80s. <laughs> exactly. Makeup stuff, bruises. I even remember. Well, yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the ruse was a lot more common back in the day, though, because back then it was, that was, it was actually the, thing. the ruse was taught oh, yeah. to you. It was a regular word, the ruse in the 80s, David. Remember that? Yeah, it really was. Oh, yeah, the yeah ruse we all ruse back then. You hear that term anymore. 
Now, now everybody's available on. You can find anybody you're looking for. Now the issue becomes, can you actually talk to them? Mm-hmm. And and what comes back to, you know, uh, what do you have to say that's significant? This is why I went and did DSP's program. We just finished up because uh, he's got a whole different way of looking at opening the market and engaging the conversation that I'd never seen, and I wasn't about to try and reverse engineer it. I just paid to go on the course to have him tell me what to do. Uh, first calls tomorrow, Dave. We've turned it on, turned the whole thing on. On Tuesday, first calls tomorrow morning. So my point in all this being, you know, um, you want to be an expert, uh, learn from everybody else. What's that expression? You stand on the shoulder of giants. Um, there aren't really a lot of people in the industry, but there are. You can learn from Neil. You can learn from David. Um, you can learn from other guys that I've learned from, and then you add your own slice to it. Whatever makes so, you feel comfortable. What. The reason I wrote Hiring Greatness and what I wanted people to get out of that book from the recruiters to get out of that book is Hiring Greatness is all about the attitude you need to bring to the business. If you remember in the opening pages, oh, you guys haven't read Hiring Greatness. That's a fun book. So Hiring Greatness is the... is the That's the, the one I like. Hiring the book I wrote after, really it was based on my 1,000th search. And I get this call from this, this one day, I've... Uh, I'm on my phone and I get this call and this guy says, old man, I can tell, are you the rogue, this is the rogue recruiter? And I said, uh, yeah, how can I help you? Are you any fucking good at what you do? You can bleep that out, sorry. I'm sorry, I'll get better at this. And I said, yeah, yeah people say I am. So we had a conversation and uh, he had hired two of the largest search firms in the world to hire his COO. Both of them came up blank after a year each and $130,000 a piece. So he put out the 260, he got nothing in return. He actually hired one guy that stayed two weeks and the chairman of the board fired him, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, so I said, well, you know, if you're really interested, it's my 1,000th search, uh, or it was gonna be my 1,000th search, and I didn't want to disaster. So I decided to say, listen, if you're really interested in my doing this, you gotta send me two, pl- two first class plane tickets, and, and a check for 35,000 bucks. Uh, here's the contract. And I sent it to him. And two days later, I get a FedEx, right? I got, the, I, got, I got the tickets. I got the check. I go down to a meeting with my partner, who was uh, 10 years my senior and was a client, had just retired, and I'm teaching him to do the business. And um, we get down there, walk into this, uh, this old warehouse in the city of industry in L.A., East L.A., and uh, meet him and two people. And I said, uh, uh he asked me a bunch of questions, and I, I answered them quickly. And I said, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And he said, he's 84 years old, and he's got a cane that's bigger than him. Okay? And he goes, you work for me now, boy. I'll ask the questions. Well, I don't, like, I don't respond well to that. And I said, yeah. really? And I opened my jacket pocket, and I pulled out his check. And I said, do you recognize this? He says, yeah. That's my check. I said, right. So I'm going to ask you three questions. You get him right? We'll take the deal. You get him wrong. I'm just tearing through the signature block, and we're all going for lunch. Any issues? And I didn't let him answer. I asked him the first question. I asked him the second question. Then I asked him the third question. Then I said, "Here's what you did wrong. It's not your fault. It's their fault. Here's what you did wrong." That's and we took the and we took the search. But that's the kind of attitude you need to bring to every single search. I've just flown with one of my partners, who I'm paying by the hour, to L.A. You know. And stayed overnight and got in a car that we rented to drive in L.A. traffic to East L.A. Come on. 
and you're going to be yeah, and David, with me? No, 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 no. Totally. I'm there. To, I'm there to vet you. So we did the yeah. What what well, consultant on out there ever hire where you would not love your consultant knowing what they're talking about and taking a doctor, a professional, a lawyer? Like, why are we so subservient to Chris's point to take a bone and not act like that? They love it. You love it when people treat you like that. They know what they're doing. Credibility is everything. Fake it till you make it. That's my answer. I mean, and there's so unfortunately too many people that that take that kind of passive like you know uh role and and take that and take the uh and they they when someone says oh you work for me now they accept it because they're just they need to, and i get it sometimes you're early in your career you, you need to you need the money more whatever and there's pressure there but like they're looking to you to lead the process they're looking for guidance they're looking for you to tell them what needs to get done and you and if you wrap your head around that and have that confidence that's going to get you more deals than than anything else, I think. Well, well it's, 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 it's the, it's the uh, dancing monkey syndrome, right? So in, in, in our industry, there's so many recruiters out there yeah. that, that and, 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 and in years past, uh, you have a lot of uh, commodity recruiters where it's really easy to make a placement. You don't need to, it's, well, not, I shouldn't say easy to make a placement, but it's um, people who go out there and, 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 and you know, a year ago could get, you, you, you could either rock out your, out your front door or get a job work. And now it's a little bit harder. And so I think for a lot of uh, recruiters, they want to any job order they can get, they want to get, right? It's they're hard, they're hard to come by or harder to come by. And so and so for a lot of recruiters out there who've never had to really do any sort of consultative selling, um, it's very easy to just be the dancing monkey. When they say dance, monkey dance, you say, well, I'll, I'll dance for it because I need that that job order. It's simple, and what right? I is that, that little gorilla thing. Yeah, there, there, there's so there's so many recruiters out there that do the exact same thing. There's no, there's nothing differentiating about being a dancing monkey. But sure. And what I found is is that when you push back a little bit, when you, I guess, crack them open a little bit, asking some hard questions, you, just like with the candy, ask a candy hard hard questions. They tend to respect you more. You kind of crack them open a little bit and get the real answers. Same thing with with your prospects. Um, you're for for so many uh, uh, clients out there, they're not used to having recruiters push back on them. Even just a little bit of push pushback does a lot in terms of your credibility getting them to open up getting them to see you as an expert and it's also going to tell you sorry it's also going to tell you how they're going to be like to work with as a customer mm -hmm. and what this <laughs> is going to be like so you know a lot of times i remember what it was like you know you you want to get a lot of orders because you want to fill your board up with all this imaginary money it's not fucking real right yeah. so what ends up happening is like if you don't suck it up and start asking like good qualifying questions and i'm just saying like push back and be rude i'm just saying ask good qualifying questions when you bring when you take on a new client like congratulations you added another magnet to your freaking board it's not going to pay your goddamn mortgage right so you're going to take on a bunch of orders it's make it feel good because you got some contracts signed but it's not going to materialize into real money for seven or eight of those you might as well have one deal that actually pays you and a customer that respects you and wants to partner with you versus someone who's just gonna like if you do ask a few questions not even pushing back hard and they resist or, or oh, don't want to go down that road what are they going to be like to work with Sorry, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm adding on to your point. Say what you're thinking, right? So to the example I gave before, and I started with this really early on in my career, right? When I was, I was taught, fake it till you make it. Get back to that. When I submit a candidate, you're seeing them, okay? You're going to see them, or we're going to have to have a talk about it yeah. because I'm a consultant and we spent the time on the job order. And So the answer isn't a quick, no, I'll see these two. We're going to pass on this one, Neil. 
<laughs> right. No, no. Cause it's something, it's not how, like, what did I miss? I'm not sending you something like that was already done. And I, I start with that. Okay. Start with not being a resume pusher. Start with the things that you already know when you hang up and you go, Oh my God, this one, when you go to the Facebook groups, you post, here's my client. They did that push back on it to them professionally. Yeah. So what we do, I totally agree, Neil, uh, the way we took care of that years ago, um, was I had a client, I sent a candidate, I knew he was right, they said he, he was wrong, and I said, no, you're wrong, I said, and you're so wrong that I'm, I'm prepared to quit, and I love you, but I'm prepared to quit because you're just so wrong. So how about we do this instead? How about we interview them together? You can make the questions, I can make the questions, we can do the questions, whatever, but we'll sit down together and we'll interview this candidate and we'll use them as a benchmark. So I talk about benchmark candidates all the time. We use them as a benchmark. And then you tell me what I did and ask me what I was thinking. Was I retarded um, about you know things that I missed? But if there's things that we missed, let's add them in because we'll know. We've met someone and we yeah. now have a baseline. I love it. You so much before. I, and what a point that you mentioned, I thought it was great once, is, is the, the point of, like they need to see that person to help program you to get you better at what you're doing. It is I mean, very it, clarifying. It, 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 yeah. 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 I love how you put it. You know what I mean? It put the owner. I just like that so much. And I, I take responsibility for all of it. You know, I always smile and say, listen, I've been I've been I've been kicked out of, you know, worse places than this. But I yeah, miss you. It takes a lot of guts for a newbie to have the confidence that you had the, all the confidence in the candidate. But does right? it really? I got to tell you on that. Does, does it really? Because it, because it, because the choice between doing that and not doing that, and I'll give you a book that'll help. Doing that and not doing that is being able to go out on the weekend or being able to buy something or provide something for your family. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody goes to the movies and watches Rocky and uh, Tom Cruise and all these other things. And they go, I can be that guy. I want to be that guy. Yes, you can. So suck it up and ask the question. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, get into my office or we don't want to do, do business with you. In, in, in which case, they've qualified themselves. And you walk down the street and say, hey, you know, I, I was thinking about doing business with these guys, but I think I'd rather do them with, with you. And here's why. And all of a sudden, you just told somebody why you love them and why they should do business with you. But if, if you want to see this in real action, I started out in real estate and construction, right? Right after, you know, this uh, this uh, stock market thing there, when I confessed to my boss that I didn't actually have a candidate and I'd made all this up and he had a mental meltdown for like a month. I said, fine, we're gonna, I'm going to do construction. Prop. No, 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 you're going to do banking. So I went off and did whatever I wanted to do because he was making, give me 500 bucks a month as a draw. So fuck that. Pardon my, I'm sorry again. So there's this book I, I bought that every recruiter should read. It's called Winning Through Intimidation. It's a book about real estate and commercial real estate and residential real estate. And it's not renting something. It's buying and selling a business. And it's called Winning Through Intimidation because you can do everything in your power as uh, a salesperson to put together a deal. And then when you go to grab your chips... There's always that dishonest client who goes, well, I can't pay you a full fee or, you know, we already know I knew the guy or he was the uh, he was the babysitter of my uh, uh, chauffeur's uh, niece's uh, uncle. Uh, so we knew him. So we're not going to pay a fee. Sorry, that doesn't work. So winning through intimidation is how you set yourself up mentally and how you set up your process 
so that you back channel all your your or you or you, you backstop everything you do. So when someone comes to you and says, "Well, we're not going to pay you a full fee," you know, you 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 giggle and you go, "Have you any idea the Pandora's box that you might be opening?" And they just look at you and go, "What do you mean Pandora's box?" I said, "Okay, so if you don't pay me, then you don't get to stay as a client." I get that. I've done this with Nortel. I mean, when Nortel was huge, you don't get to stay as a client. I said, and the problem with that is you owe me $40,000. Now, it took me a long time to do this placement. You owe me $40,000. So my return on my investment needs to be tenfold. So that means I have to take that many people out of your organization and place them somewhere else to make up the $40,000, which is really the $400,000, because now I'm going to waste my energy and time. I said, that's the Pandora's box you would be opening. Is it really worth doing that? Yeah. yeah. Have you turned anyone around with a threat like that, though? And they say, okay, I love you now. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Every single time. Yeah. Every single time. It started with a threat, though. It started with a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, right? It did. They they came at you. All right. So you're saying you're willing to walk, though. These oh, people are playing hardball, and you're willing to walk. You have the conviction. Oh, willing to walk, and if they, you yeah. Know, when when Nortel hired me to solve a problem for them, this is back in '97. I did it. I opened a division for them, hired the CEO, submitted my um, my invoice. The same day, the guy said yes, and I got an e- I got an email, and then I got a phone call from one of the recruiters at Nortel who I'd never met. I didn't know this guy from Adam. He's a friend now, by the way, and he tells me that. Uh, uh, we just got your bill. You don't quite understand. This is the first time you've worked for Nortel, so uh, the first one's free. I went, what? He goes, yeah, the first one's free. Everybody knows this. I said, okay, I didn't know that. No, it's not. And so what you're telling me, we had this conversation. So at the end of it, I said, so what you're telling me is if I don't give you this one free, I won't have the privilege to work for free for you in the future. And he goes, well, if you're going to be a smart asset, I'm not going to be a smart asset. I said, I said, uh, stay by your phone. I hung up. I called the number two guy at Nortel who I'd been working for, told him what had happened. And he says, I'll fire him. I said, no, I don't want you to fire him. I didn't know that this was something Nortel did all the time. I find this out later. I said, I just want you to call him and gently let him know that we have a contract that you've signed and I've fulfilled and I expect to get paid. I understand it might not be what they normally do, but I would sincerely appreciate that. Yeah, an hour and a half later, this guy calls me. He's crying. He's, he's bl- all blubbering on the phone. I said, Nigel, stop. You're not being fired, but you and everybody else in your office will probably never do that again to me, and maybe you won't do it to anybody else. So click. Um, yeah, I do this all the time. You know, I, I, I took people out of Cognos. It used to be a big um, yeah. intelligence unit. Took two guys out of Cognos one year, and... Um, Actually, I took about seven. But um, in this particular time, uh, uh, Ron Zamberdini, who was the CEO of uh, Cognos, decided that he was going to have a couple of recruiters uh, call my client and let them know that they were coming raiding. My client calls me up in sheer panic. I just hired a, I just hired the heads of the uh, business intelligence unit out of Cognos, the guys that started it. And this guy's just beside himself that he's a startup. And I said, relax. So it took me about a week. I called a bunch of my friends, maybe 40-ish of them, and I said, listen, I have the entire roster of every single Cognos employee. I'm sending it to you. I've highlighted the 50, that there's 800 of them. I've hired the 50 that I want you to call. And I sent all of them 
50 different, they overlapped, of course, people to call. And I said, I want it done on this day between nine and noon. We had 40 recruiters jamming the switchboard that day, calling everybody at Cognos. Some people three times. And at the end of the day, I phoned through and, and, this, and the receptionist says, well, Mr. Perry, you know, you can't talk to Mr. Zambonini. We have a picture on, we can't let you in. We have your phone numbers here. We have a picture of you on the, on the, you know, the reception desk. He doesn't want to talk to you. I said, you tell Ron I'm on the phone and I want to talk to him now. So I got him on the phone. I said, Ron, okay, you started this. Don't ever fucking embarrass me with a client again. I have no idea if any of your people are going to disappear. If they do over the next couple of weeks, you have no one to blame but yourself. And I told that story on national television, on the news, standing in front of their office. This is 15 or 20 years ago. So, yeah, I actually do do this stuff. Do people like me? Clients love me. HR people detest me if unless they're a client. It's as simple as that. But this is the business we're in, right? We've got this whole thing going over the next couple of years. We're into Industry 4.0. The first three industrial revolutions were won by the Western world, right? Uh, the yeah. fourth industrial revolution, nobody knows, and we're like six inches out the gate of a five-mile uh, break run. Um, what I do know is we need to do things di differently. And right now, America is in a race for its life against China. When I started recruiting, China had like 12 companies in the Fortune 500. Now they have 186. This is insane. America has two more companies in the Fortune 500 than in China does. So we're in for the fight of our life. There are winners and losers in this. And we as recruiters sit in the middle we're, we're the judge and jury. We get to decide who we want to work for. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty blunt with, with, with customers. And I'll, I'll tell them this story. And the next book that's coming out, Revolutions Need Leaders, is all about that. You know, how you build a team that's going to win and, and is unstoppable. And by building a team in the way I'm going to teach people how to do it, you also stop people from raiding you. You know, the, the churn in America is what's killing us, right? The 24.5% churn every year, it's insanity. We need to focus on getting the right people in the right, the right bums in the right seats and getting on with solving our issues, not stealing from each other in this. I mean, we make money, but really, it's a zero-sum game. So I, I know I'm off topic, but... Let's... Let's talk about that, actually. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping up here, but I do want to actually, uh, actually ask you about your next book. So was it uh, Revolutions Need, Need Leaders? So Revolutions Need Leaders. Walk us through that. Like, So what is this book? Uh, when's it coming out? Uh, and also, but, but also, how does it relate back to recruiting? Because that's this is going to – I mean, I, I, get, I guess in a sense it's, it's, it's about building teams, right? But, um, what, well, I guess so – So, we, so I'll, answer, I'll answer the question. Um and uh, it's too bad I didn't get to talk about work insight. But to answer the question, um, we need to make sure that we as service providers can build the teams that our clients need. It takes a real special individual to manage the different personalities um, inside an organization. And it takes a real different type of leader who can make people believe in themselves, believe in their group, 
and and believe in the you know the cause or doing things for the greater good for the organization. Those people are rare. We've all met them. They're rare. They've all got jobs. They're not looking. So you know you're shuffling. You're either going to be shuffling uh, chairs on the Titanic, or you're going to go and find these particular leaders. And there's a particular way you need to go about finding them. And because they're not looking, and because they typically don't talk to headhunters, um, they're a very specific way you need to reach out to them and get them involved. And most recruiters can't do it. A very few people in the executive suite, including HR, can do it. And so this book is all about teaching CEOs of companies how to use their, what's the term, um, largesse, um, to get people to the table. And they typically can't do it on their own because they need guidance. So the book is also to teach those senior uh, executive recruiters, those senior recruiters who really want to partner with companies and help accelerate their growth on how they help these CEOs manage the process. Um, that's what um, Revolutions Need Leaders is all about. Um, how do we tap them? What's that? I, I, I don't know. The, the first two chapters are done. I didn't write them. My, um, my co-author did, Ron Weens. He wrote um, Building Organizations That Leap Tall Buildings in a Single Bound. I've known him for 30 years. Uh, it was his idea to do the book. So I had to deconstruct um, insight, the inside-out approach and explain to people how I can, with a single call, um, an individual, like I did in um, for, you know, Hiring Greatness. You know, Steve interviewed 800 people. Uh, I called the 10 chairs of the boards of the largest manufacturers in the town where I was recruiting and said, this is what I'm doing. Who do you know? And if you read the book, they all laughed and said, well, it's this guy, but he's retired and you can never, never get him. And of course, that's the guy I went after. So how do you find, you know, how do you use pointers? How do you use pointers to find the person that you need? How do you do the research to understand them well enough to be able to open a conversation on the phone and then get them to a meeting and decide whether or not they actually have the emotional intelligence to lead in the way that people need to lead now and in the future if they're going to be successful. That's what the book's all about. Sounds pretty. I'm looking forward to coming out. Um, well, well, that's it. Any, any idea? I mean, I'm not sure yet, but is it like in the next year, do you think, or is it, is it going to be relatively soon? Would you say? Yeah, uh, it, it'll be within the next twelve months. I mean, my chapters are done. I am just so particular on because words matter. I'm so particular on getting this right. And what I'm about to do in the next month is I'll button down the two chapters that I'm working on. And then I am uh, engaging some software and I'm sending it out. I'm inviting a bunch of people to come in, read a couple of the chapters and go, this makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Here you need to clarify. It's a different way of constructing a book. And uh, and then it'll be, out. I haven't chosen a publisher. But when we went out with, with the, um, the book proposal mm -hmm. to my agent, we had three major publishers talk to us in the first five days and make offers wow. and we turn them all down. Uh, two of them just That's didn't amazing. get it. Uh, this is one of the books. In the world of publishing, it's amazing because anyone could publish, but to do what you do is impressive. You know? 
Well, looking forward to seeing it, but 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 one thing I do want to cover here, and you mentioned it earlier about about work insight, and I want to make sure we cover that because that's your new job board, and um, I want to give an opportunity to, to at least uh, mention that because something that you had showed me, um, gosh, maybe maybe six months ago, eight months ago, I believe something like that. It, it was a while back, and it was really interesting. Uh, it, was, it was it was a very interesting concept. So, um, you want us to walk us through that real quick? Yes. So, workinsight.io, W-R-K-I-N-S-I-G-H-T.io. It's a free job board, free job for, for recruiters. It's a free job board for candidates. What's the big deal for recruiters? Well, A, it's free. Um, you can come, and I've been part of the launches of LinkedIn, Monster, all of them. Um, you can come here. It'll always be free. As a recruiter, you can build your brand. Uh, you, you'll be able to find candidates for free, post for free. And what I'm hoping people are going to start to do is – start to articulate why them, why they should be the go-to recruiter that if someone is looking, whether they're an employer looking for somebody or whether they're a candidate looking to be placed somewhere, that they're the go-to recruiter for that niche. I want them to own that space. And the reason I'm doing this is because most of the great ideas in America come from the small business most small business most most small businesses cannot afford to advertise you know a job for a thousand or three hundred dollars even a month in, in every city so let's do away with all that so that the people that need the talent can find them the thing that's interesting for the candidates from my perspective is twofold one if you're familiar with bumble um, yeah. this this site is going to be the job search equivalent to bumble candidates will always be anonymous the only way you're going to be able to reach out and talk to them after you've viewed their profile is to tell them what's in it for them i got the job when i talk to you and they agree and then you can start the, then you can start your process so the anonymity is huge we've also um done a deal with great people inside which is which is the precursor tool to the disc much more sophisticated that will that allows companies now to figure out what type of people fit best, best with them. So when you come in as a candidate for workinsight.io, we give you the option of taking a free assessment. And that assessment will tell you, you know, you'd fit best, you'd fit best in this kind of company. And for lack of a better term, let's color it blue or purple or give it a color, that kind of culture. You'd fit best in this kind of culture. So as a candidate, when you come to look for a job, forget about looking for skills. Okay, hire for skills, fire for fit. No, 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 no. Hire for fit, screen for skills. Gonna have a much better, gonna have a much longer tenure. So this is free. That's what we're gonna be encouraging candidates to do. It's free. And great people inside have 30,000 customers around the world already. So they're already giving their customers uh, a strategic advantage. So I won't be talking to recruiters about this uh, site anymore. This is it today. David, um, all, reach all me offline. You ping me after. Ping me. I have a big audience in back office staffing solutions, all recruiters. Um, I I, I want to look at it. Uh, I could be one like offer that out to people. It sounds really bad. I want to look at it with you. Uh, okay, sure. Ping me. I, I, we've spent you know a lot a lot of time and a lot of my money building. Yeah, this. I'd love to see it in, in detail. If I'd spend some time talking. About I'll, I'll, I'll let right? you in. On. And yeah, the way it's going to be paid for is yeah. still you guys magic behind the scenes. Is how it works at the sea level. Work and that's and that's, and that's workinsight.io. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, guys, we're about to wrap this up. I just looked at the time here, and it's the top of the hour. It's about time for us to head out because we all turn into pumpkins, I believe, at midnight. Uh, so with that said, let's talk about uh, a few things to wrap things up. For those folks who are interested in, in, the, in, the, job, in the, the new job board that, that David is talking about, you can go to workinsight.io. And also, if you're going to pick, at least for my opinion, if you're going to pick one book of David to read, Hiring Greatness is my particular favorite. That's the one I, I would recommend. Uh, they, I'm looking forward to the, the new book coming out. Um, but that said, uh, anybody else want to anything in? The, uh, Neil, I know you have your uh, your back office staffing solutions uh, ebook. For my ebook, always. Yeah. If you don't have it, you want to have it no matter what. It's everything you need to know about the contracting and temp space, insurance, factoring, do it on your own. Download that book. Excellent. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. And as well, if anybody wants to download my sales marketing guide called The Lighthouse Method, go to realdsp.me. Me forward slash guide. And uh, if you want to talk to me about us building out your sales and marketing systems, actually, David Perry is also a client. Uh, you can go to happy Real... client. Oh, thank you, David. Uh, uh, yeah, it was great working with you. Uh, realdsp.me forward slash build. Uh, I have a video explaining exactly what the offer is, and you can book a call directly on my calendar and chat about it. And uh, I don't have anything to sell here, but I'm just here for my court ordered community service. Uh, so this is one hour closer to freedom. You poor bastard. <laughs> Excellent. Well, David, right. thank you so much for being on on the, on this. Really, really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, man. Oh, always love working with you. Um, and uh, tune in next week, by the way, folks. Uh, we are going to be talking about all things business development. All right. So with that said, folks, thank you, David. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, everybody here watching. And uh, see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye, everyone. Thank you, David. Thank Talk you. Talk soon.